rooster seat Knowing that he couldn't have the toy till his nuggets were gone A green traffic light turned straight to red I hid my brakes and mumbled under my breath His fries went a-flying and his orange drink covered his lap Well, in my four-year-old said a four-letter word It started with S and I was concerned So I said, son, now where'd you learn to talk like hanging out the other night, and I realized, we're kind of talking about this, and I realized something, that I really like songs that tell a story. And especially for some reason, maybe it's just growing up, but especially if, if it's a country song and it tells a story, you got me hooked, right? And so um, Courtney probably gets a little annoyed, annoyed about it because I'm always like, let's listen to Riding with Private Malone. You know, I want to hear the story. But this song that we opened with this morning this morning watching you, man, it tells a story, doesn't it? If you didn't catch the story because you were a little distracted by there being a country song at the beginning of church, but if you didn't catch the story, the story is he's bringing up his boy, right? He's bringing up his boy, and his boy's telling him that everything he does, he's watching him. So we enter into the first verse, and the story goes along like, you know, we're riding down the street, he's got McDonald's, the light turns straight to red, and then something not so great comes from the boy, right? And dad says, now where'd you learn to say a word like that? And the answer is, dad, I've been watching you. Ain't that cool? I'm your buckaroo. I want to be like you. And eat all my food and grow as tall as you are. But the other side of that is what that word was that the little boy said, isn't it? Now, the song does get better from there. I invite you, I wasn't going to play it all this morning. I invite you to listen to it at home. But the next verse is the boy watching his dad pray and say, God, what have I done teaching my boy this? And then the boy emulates that as well. But the point I wanted to point out in that is, in our world, you got people watching you. Whether you're a parent or whether you're just a single person or maybe you don't have kids yet or maybe you're a kid yourself, people are still watching you. Who you are as a Christian matters, not just here, but everywhere. Outside of these doors, in your own homes, at Walmart, everywhere, people can be watching you. Also, this song makes me remember how maybe I'm not quite ready to have kids yet. Well, <laughs> haven't got myself quite figured out enough. People are watching you. They're watching what you say. And especially if you have kids, you know, they're catching it all. They're catching what you say. They're catching how you act. And that matters a lot. And if you've been with us, we've been studying and preaching through the book of James, and James has a lot of awesome stuff to challenge Christians with. I'll say it that way, right? 
Not only is he uplifting the Christians, but he's not taking it easy most of the time because he wants us to have what? He wants us to have a true religion. He wants us to have a pure Christianity. And so we've been studying that. We've been studying what James is challenging us with. So I invite you today, open your Bibles to the New Testament book of James. It's a short one. There's no shame in using your uh, guide at the front because it's easy to lose them sometimes, right? But James is writing to Christians. He's writing to the Jewish Christians, and he's helping them work through some of these things to be better, to have a pure religion, a true faith, a true Christianity. And I think, at least personally, I've been challenged by some of the things we've been studying. The very first week, James writes about trials, trials from God, trials in our lives. And he says, count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. That's in chapter one, right off the bat. And so that's a challenge because God is working through those trials. He's growing, he's persevering, and he's making me a better Christian. So count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds. What else does James challenge us with? Well, he says, be doers of the word, not just hearers. Have a faith, but put it to work as well. Man, what a big challenge that is. That's in James, the end of chapter one and the end of chapter two. Be doers and not just, you know, sitting by and just hanging out, believing, but rather put it to work and live out your faith. Practical Christianity, having true religion, looking at being doers, looking at having faith in trials, and looking at not being partial. That's what we looked at last, or two weeks ago. Looking at not being partial to those people who walk in the door. A lot of challenges for us as Christians. So, so far we've kind of looked at James chapters 1 and two, and if you guessed it, you're right. We are going to be in James chapter three today in just a minute. So if you're looking for a place to hang out, go ahead and hop there. We're going to be in James chapter three. But as we work through James, the theme has continued to be true Christians and have a true religion. But have you noticed they're kind of hard to do sometimes? That's what I've kind of noticed as we've been working through this. And like the song I started with today, James has yet another hard-to-do challenge for us. He says, what you say and what comes out of your mouth is really, really important. You need to watch your tongue. You need to watch your tongue and what you say. In fact, James started with this topic all the way back in chapter 1. He said, you need to watch your tongue in James chapter 1. In verse 26, and I kind of passed through it when we were back in chapter 1 because I knew we were going to talk about it. James chapter 1, verse 26, James says, what you talk about as Christians matters. He says, if anyone thinks he is religious and he does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, that person's religion is worthless. That's James 1, 26 out of the English Standard Version. That's what I'm using this morning. So all the way back in chapter 1, James is pointing out the fact that what you say as Christians matters. Why? Well, if you think you're religious and you do not bridle, what does that mean? That means control. If you can't control the tongue, so in other words, if you cannot control what comes out of your mouth and what you say 
and you're religious, you deceive your heart because you're not controlling it. So what does that make your religion? What does that make your Christianity? Empty, worthless, right? If you can't control what you say, your Christianity can be worthless. Just one verse is all James said about it so far in chapter 1. But man, that's a powerful verse, isn't it? That's a challenging verse. Basically, I read that and I say, man, I really got to watch what comes out of my mouth. I really got to control my tongue, bridle what I'm saying. Because I am a Christian and I don't want my religion, my Christianity to be worthless. I want my Christianity to mean something. You know, it's like the story at the beginning with the song. The boy followed the action because it's what he knew. I don't want my Christianity to be like a father who's taught the wrong thing. I want my Christianity not to be worthless and deceitful, but instead I want it to be full of Christ. So I need to watch my tongue. I need to watch my tongue. But if it was easy, I don't think James would have to write about it. You know, he wouldn't have even given us verse 26 in chapter 1. If it was easy, he wouldn't have even had to talk about it. People would have been rocking it already. But yet, he writes about it, and he writes about it in James chapter 3 as well. He spends the first half of chapter 3 talking about how we need to control what we say. So obviously, it's something the Christians were working with and dealing with. And I think the same is true for us today. I think wrestling with what comes out of our mouth and what's produced by this tongue is something we wrestle with as Christians because we don't want our religion to be worthless. We want God to be shining through, not poison. And we'll get to that in a second. So I don't think it's necessarily an easy one or else James wouldn't have had to write about it. He wouldn't have had to challenge the Christians to have a true religion in this way. But he talks about it here in James chapter 3. So grab your Bibles. We're going to read the beginning of first half or so of James chapter 3 together in a couple of chunks and break it apart and see what he has to say about controlling our tongue. James chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 1 through 6 there, and I'm going to read out of the ESV. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we will guide their bodies as well. Or look at the ships also. Though they are large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member Yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set out among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell. Wow. James does not ease into topics, does he? I mean, he goes from zero to your uh, tongue is like a forest fire setting everybody on fire to hell real quick there, right? 
He doesn't ease into the topic. He challenges the Christians. He gets right into it. And what's he getting right into here in chapter 3? The tongue. What comes from your mouth. What we say with our words. And he starts off there in verse 1 with probably a kind of purposeful sentence, right? In verse 1 he says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And I think many times when we read the Bible, especially the New Testament letters, and we try and break them up into bite-sized pieces, right? And have you ever heard that one broke up into a bite-sized piece? Just chapter 3, verse 1. It's tough to be a preacher and a teacher. Well, it's connected to the rest of this, isn't it? He's saying, not everybody should be a teacher because you will be judged more greatly. But do you know that no one has perfected the tongue? But do you know that the tongue directs our whole life? And so I wanted to leave verse 1 in there, not to say that, man, it's tough to be a teacher sometimes, but to say, yeah, we judge our teachers occasionally, don't we? But yet James was just talking about how we should be impartial and we should watch our own tongues. I think it's kind of the connecting verse there. So, yeah, he could be talking about me or Larry or whoever's teaching up here, but I think he's talking about all of us all the time. So yeah, it is a little more difficult to be a teacher. We are judged with greater strictness, rightfully so, right? So that's something I'm always working on, making sure I'm speaking the truth, making sure I'm reading the Bible for what it is, not what I want it to be. So yeah, you can judge us a little stricter, but what about the rest of our lives? Well, James says the tongue can direct the rest of our lives. James continues on through verse 6 there, talking about how many of us will stumble with the tongue. Maybe it's your preacher, maybe it's your teacher, but he says all of us have this same tongue problem. The tongue is what controls the whole body, right? But he almost says that if you think you have it figured out, <laughs> you're wrong. Did you catch that? He says, if any man says he has bridled his tongue, he can control his whole body, and he is perfect. Who's that sound like to you? Anybody want to volunteer? Anybody in here? No. See, see, what James is saying here is like, this is a human condition that we are imperfect with our tongues. So there's a little bit of hope there of like, I'm not alone in this battle of imperfect, toxic tongue. But James brings the hope back with the challenge, doesn't he? He says, that little piece controls your whole life. Look at the horse, controlled by the bridle from the mouth, the whole body. Look at the ship. Even though it's in the midst of a storm, it's controlled with a small rudder. The small tongue controls your whole life. But you people, <laughs> you all, Christians, are misusing the tongue. The tongue can be used like a forest fire, quickly, one spark quickly taking the entire forest. Man, James is saying, you can do terrible, evil, destructive things with your mouth. It's like a forest fire for hell. Man, I don't think I'd be brave enough to say that, to write that down in a letter to Christians. Your mouth is like a forest fire for hell? Man, that's tough. A small spark can bring the whole forest down. 
So he's giving it to him hard right away. He's giving the challenge right there with the hope, right off the bat. He's talking about how the tongue can impact everything. So what do we need to do if the tongue impacts our entire life? Well, we need to control the tongue, bridle the tongue, tame the tongue, tame what we say. And James doesn't just leave us at verse 6 saying, you're making a mess, but instead he continues on. So read with me here in verse 7 and 8. I just want to read two verses in the middle here. James says in these two verses, starting in verse 7, For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by man or mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Remember how he was just talking a few verses ago about if you've controlled the tongue, you've controlled your whole body? Well, here he hits it again. He says, mankind, has, they've tamed animals, they've tamed birds. You know what they can't tame? Their own tongue. No one has been able to do it. And it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. No one has tamed the tongue. But yet he's writing this to Christians. Yet I'm preaching what he's writing to Christians. And he's saying to Christians, you still haven't tamed your tongue? Man, <laughs> he's being feisty. But not only is he pointing out the fact that we're good at bringing things into submission like animals, but we can't the tongue. He goes a step further and he says, even worse than that, your tongue is evil and it is spewing poison. Man. <laughs> James. James is telling us how our tongues can ruin our lives. Poison? What is the one thing poison does? What? It kills, right? If you bought rat poison and the rats were just like happy, you know, they're like, oh, those are some good snacks. That's the opposite of poison. You wouldn't buy that. James is saying, real poison. That's what you're spewing in your mouth. But what do we do about it? James is hitting us hard with what our tongues can do in a bad way, but what do we do about it? Well, again, thank goodness James didn't leave us at verse 8, but he continues on in verse 9. Let's go ahead and read through the end of this section here in verse 12, and then we'll talk about it a little bit more. He starts to answer the question of what can you do about it if our mouths can be so evil, even as Christians. James 3, verse 9, starting there through 12. With it, with our tongue, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond produce fresh water or yield fresh water. So James is breaking this down for us. He's saying the tongue, the tongue can control your entire life. The tongue can be evil. And even as Christians, we don't have it perfectly figured out, under control, if you will. But then he says, as Christians, we want to live our lives for God. But coming to the tongue, can your tongue really praise God and curse God at the same time? It's 
says it can't be. It ought not to be so, is what he would say in my version, right? It ought not to be so. From the same mouth cannot come blessing and cursing. And he gives some good practical examples of that, doesn't he? Salt water, fresh water. Trees that produce things that they're not supposed to produce. I like the salt water and fresh water one because I can, I can wrap my small brain around that. Even though we don't grow up near the ocean or we're not living by the ocean in Wyoming, we understand salt water to some degree. Maybe you worked on an oil rig, I don't know. But the fact is, once you put salt water into a fresh water, how do you ever get back to the fresh water? You can keep diluting it and diluting it and diluting it over and over again, but to the degree you will always have salt water. It'll just be less salty or more salty. You can never take that salt back out of the mixture. So James is saying, on a freshwater pond, once it's a saltwater pond, it's never going back. So to drive home his point of the tongue being poison, I think that's what he's saying. You really cannot have both praises, freshwater, and poison, salt water. Blessings and curses, they cannot coexist. But yet a lot of times I think we, we think we can dilute the salt water enough. We think we can dilute the salt water enough and say, if I praise God enough and I slip up occasionally, I'll be all right. But James really isn't saying that, is he? James is saying they cannot coexist. And he gives the examples of the trees too. One tree only produces one fruit. It doesn't go and produce other fruits as well. We would throw that tree out. It's a crazy tree, right? So what do we do? What do we do when my tongue, the poison, forest fire that no one can control is running around on me? What do we do when I'm spewing salt water and I want to be pure flowing God's love? How can I bless the Lord but yet deal with this cursing people? How do we do that? Well, we can't have both. We can't have both. So half the crowd in this room is probably like, I got you, Harold. I understand it. I need to stop saying some words. The other half is probably like, well, I don't say any of those words, so I'm good. Right? Is that really what it's about? Did you notice I didn't read one of these verses almost specifically here in the last little, little bit here? Let me, let me rewind. Let me ask you the question. Have you ever had people in your life that are difficult? Is that just me? Yeah? Have you ever had life in your people that are difficult? Yeah. Do you ever not like some people that come up in your life? Yeah? Me too. Then the, then the tricky question, have you ever spoke illy of people? Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm glad I put in my notes, oh, that's just me, but you guys all agreed, so I'm glad. This is the part that we struggle with, isn't it? This is the part that we struggle with. It's not necessarily the fact that we say a few choice words, but in fact that we speak evil of people, as James would say. Let me find it here again. 
not the fact that we say just a few select words, but it's the fact that we speak illly of other people. What verse am I looking for here, guys? Can you help me out? Verse 9? Yeah, which verse is it? 10? 9? There we go. Okay. Thank you, Terry. So when it comes to the tongue, is it about saying a few couple of words or is it about people? Verse 9 is where I couldn't find for a couple seconds there. With it we bless the Lord our Father and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. That ought not to be so, is what he continues on. Did you notice that James doesn't really talk about uh, saying a certain word that begins with a certain letter? He didn't say that. But what did he focus on? Cursing people who are made in the likeness of God. He's talking about those people that we find difficult, those people that we don't like, and those times when we talk kind of poorly about other people. We talk illly about people or situations or whatever it might be. You pick your favorite that you struggle with. James is talking about the people aspect. And when you start to think about the people aspect, the term poison really starts to make a lot more sense, doesn't it? The salt water and the fresh water really seem to make a lot more sense because what we say about people can reflect God to them. What we say about people can reflect that we are poison or we are fresh spring of life. What we say to people and what we say about people is really what it's all about there in verse 9. He's challenging us to control our tongues in probably a harder way than when you surface level read this. Maybe not. Maybe you guys really curse it up at work. I don't know. But I think there's more to it than that. I think it might be a good thing to watch what single words you say occasionally. But I think maybe even more compelling is talking about people like they're made in the likeness of God rather than they're difficult to deal with. People are such more important than the single words. So controlling your tongue, it's poison. And I think everyone in this room can think back at least to a situation in their lives and be like, yeah, even my tongue has been poisoned at times. I can think that. And you might have thought, yeah, I've said some nasty words, but hopefully this isn't the case, but I think most of us can think, man, I've said some nasty words about somebody. I've cursed somebody made in the likeness of God. That's what James is challenging us on those difficult people, those people we struggle with, those things we say, they all link back together. And you remember how I said at the beginning of this, we just got done talking about being impartial and not judging. And here we are on yet another people thing where we need to not speak illy and curse those who are made in God's image. James has really got links here, doesn't he? He's really talking about the same thing. So really, if you take a look at James chapter 3, just, just a few verses about taming the tongue. And if you just look at it at a surface level, you can walk away and say, yeah, I need to stop saying some words. But if you really think about what James is saying, 
I think it changes our whole life to some degree, or at least it should. He's saying that your tongue can never be tamed. Unless you're perfect. <laughs> your tongue can never be tamed, but what are we to do? Well, we should be trying to tame it. We should be trying not to curse people. We should be trying to bless God with what we say because they can't coexist. But James just said we will never perfect it. So what do we do? That's kind of how I felt after reading this. I'm like, James, you could have at least wrapped it up with a so try or something at the end. But he didn't. So I had to think about that for a minute. If we are imperfect and we cannot control the tongue, what do we do? And then I thought of a verse, maybe not even a verse, I thought of a word from Christ. You know, James is writing this after being a follower of Christ, after the church is established, and Jesus kind of conquered all things in this vein back in his teaching. Luke 18, 27, we have the story of the rich man who has done everything he needed to do to be a follower of Christ and go into heaven is what the phrasing is, right? But in Luke 18, Jesus says, there's one more thing you could do. You could sell everything you have and come follow me. But the guy, he was rich, so he was sad because he didn't want to do that. And Jesus used that as a teaching moment. He said, man, it's so hard for the rich to get into heaven. Man, it's so hard for us to sacrifice some things. But then he says this right here. What is impossible with man is possible with God. See, he used the rich man as a teaching moment, but I think Jesus was talking more than just money at that point. I think Jesus was saying, for man, there is no thing you can do perfectly enough to go to heaven. There is no thing you can purchase. There is no thing you can perfect perfectly enough to be in eternity with me. But what is impossible with you is possible with God. So putting that back into what James is saying, your tongue is a mess. It's poison. You cannot control it. And you're probably still figuring it out because you still curse people. What should you do? You should tame your tongue. You should control it. You should bridle it. But how do I do that? Well, you give it to God. You surrender from, I can do this. I'm strong enough. I bet you can't. To, I can do this if God guides me. It's impossible for me to do this perfectly. But if I focus on Christ, focus on God, what's impossible can be possible. So my whole takeaway from just, man, kind of a tough topic from James is we do need to control our tongues, but we can't do it alone. We can't do it alone. We need to give it back to God and say, God, please help me use my tongue for blessing instead of cursing. Because I'm not yet perfected on this like humans. And I think most of us in here would admit the fact that we also are not perfect on this because we're humans but I sure don't want my mouth to be perceived as poison. I'd rather it be perceived as blessing instead of cursing. So that's something I got to work on and I got to give to God. What about you guys? Let's share it.